0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryce Carver. A little bit of an earlier start today, 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific Time, wherever you're watching, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. Great to have you on the show today. Uh, Very interesting weekend in sports, and a very interesting morning in sports. I'm going to get to that top story in just a second. Russell Westbrook, uh, as I talked about on Friday's show, is a possibility. Well, it has come to fruition he is going to be a Los Angeles Clipper. It's not official yet, but all the sourcing, including from directly from his agent, says he's, he's going to stay in Los Angeles just with the other team. Uh, really interested to, to see how this plays out. I'm going to give my take on it in just a second. Also, the Kansas City Chiefs talked about this last week, about whether or not they're a dynasty. I've made my decision. I think it's absolutely unequivocally yes. I'm going to explain that later in the show. Um, as well as this continuous LeBron James Kyrie Irving recruitment pitch that man, I'm a LeBron fan, but I still, for the life of me, do not understand. I'll get to that as well as the fact that uh, uh, you, you you're looking at, you know, today is is, is President's Day. and as you guys know from my 10-part series, the Carving It Up U.S. Presidents Edition, I'm a big Presidents fan, uh, or, or I wouldn't say Presidential Historian. There are men and women who I would certainly give that prestigious honor to. I am not one of them, but I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. I, I, I rarely talk about U.S. Presidential History on my show, but you know, forgive me if on President's Day if I, I decide to do so. And also, my second segment, Mac McClung, What a Show in the Dunk Contest, Um he showed something in the dunk contest and for All Star Weekend as a whole that I think is very, very important. Especially when you consider how awful the game was yesterday. I'll get to that later in today's show. Oh, but I got to start in Los Angeles. Russell Westbrook is going to be a Los Angeles Clipper, according to Andrew Wardanowski, who broke the news earlier this morning. He tweeted, "Quote." After finalizing a contract buyout with the Utah Jazz, nine-time All-Star guard Russell Westbrook plans to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. His agent, Jeff Swartz, tells ESPN. Oh, boy. Oh, you know, it's like I tweeted earlier, Clippers gonna Clipper. I also tweeted earlier, this takes them out of the championship running. Like, oh, Bryson, you're buying out of the Clippers like that? Well, first of all, I was never all that high on the Clippers. If you remember from my carving it up NBA preview show from October, I did that. I did it with Barry Grant Jr. of The all even podcast. Shout out to Barry. And I said, I got the Clippers getting bounced in the first round. There's too much of a lack of continuity. Yes. I love Tyler as a head coach. Yes. I love their depth. Yes. I'm higher than Paul George than most people are, but he's, he's had trouble staying healthy. We know Kawhi Leonard is the ultimate head case as it pertains to his health and whether or not he feels he's ready to go on a particular night, even in the playoffs. And so I, I, I couldn't buy in. Made a couple moves to the deadline. Okay, you bring in Bones Highland. Okay, Eric Gordon, spot-up shooter. You know, I like some of these moves. I didn't love getting rid of John Wall, but I understood it. <sighs> they bring in Russell Westbrook. This is bad for many, many reasons. Before I get to those reasons, Let's talk about why they should have never signed Russell Westbrook in the first place. I want to preface what I'm about to say, as I always do, as you tend to have to do nowadays, by saying this about Russell Westbrook. I think he's an A-plus human being. I really do. Seems like a great husband, father. He's a phenomenal philanthropist. I tell the story often on my show about when uh, he and his teammates for the Houston Rockets in 2020 during the bubble, when they stayed at uh, Disney's Grand Floridian Resort at the bubble, and he left, left, I can't remember how crazy of a tip it was, but he left a massive tip for uh, the person that cleaned his room. Like, he's he's a good guy. I've never, ever, ever attacked Russell Westbrook, the person. The basketball player, of course, is a different story, because as I've, said all the time on the show that the way he plays the game drives me absolutely nuts. If you want to start the inefficiency, the lack of handle, the fact that he doesn't get enough credit for this. He is a complete liability on the defensive side of the floor. His basketball IQ is awful and he is not ad- adjusted nor adapted to today's game. What is there to like? Oh, the triple double and the highlights. God, I had to hear about that for years in Oklahoma city. But what I came to realize is that sometimes you're not going to be able to convince people otherwise about how they feel about a particular player. And that's okay. But if, if, if people are not going to be moved by data, by facts, have at it. I'll give you data and I'll give you facts. Is Russell Westbrook a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yes. Is he the all-time leader in triple doubles? Yes. Is he a winning basketball player? Absolutely not. His postseason numbers, since Kevin Durant dumped him in Oklahoma City, and that's what he did. Kevin Durant said, I would rather get destroyed by the national media. I would rather travel cross-country, which no disrespect to OKC, it's it's a great city, it's not San Francisco, but I'd rather travel cross-country into a new environment that I'm unfamiliar with, all these question marks, all the vitriol that I'm going to get, just so I don't have to play with Russell Westbrook. Since that moment, July 4th, 2016, Russell Westbrook has been to the playoffs five times. He's played 28 games in the playoffs. His record is 7-21. and 21. He shoots 38% from the field. Not from three, from the field. He's won a grand total of one playoff series since Katie left him seven years ago. Need I also remind you that Russell Westbrook is on his fifth team in five years, OKC in 2019, Houston in 2020, Washington in 2021, L.A. Lakers in 2022, and now L.A. Clippers in 2023. Need I remind you that Russell, every, <laughs> everywhere he goes, gets worst almost worse, almost instantly. Not just when Katie left him. But the irony of the situation is that when Katie left him, Oklahoma City was the sixth seed when Russell won MVP and had all those triple-doubles. And people were like, yeah, it's a pretty good season for Russ, right? They were the sixth seed in a tough Western Conference, you know, yada, yada, yada. Okay. They have Paul George, add Carmelo Anthony. And they are only the fourth seed the year prior, and they lose in six games to the baby Utah Jazz. The next year they are back down to the sixth seed with Russ and Paul George, who, by the way, had an MVP caliber season and got bounced out in five games by the Portland Trailblazers and Dane Dalla, Damian Lillard. And people are actually arguing who's better, Westbrook or Lillard, please. It's not even a discussion. The year after, Houston had Oklahoma City on the ropes. Russell's old team, by the way, who Chris Paul joined with a bunch of kids and got them to the playoffs. That's neither here nor there. Point being. Russell joined. They needed a missed three in game seven by Lou Dort to advance to the second round where they got obliterated by the eventual champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Went to the Wizards, averaged more triple doubles. Actually, that was the season where he passed Oscar Robertson, and they got bounced the first round. Never even competed with the Philadelphia team that missed Joel Embiid for the last two games of the series. Last year, joined the Lakers. Sorry, two years ago, he joined the Lakers and was traded there. And I remember, oh my goodness. Outside of maybe my criticism of Tua, which I always say, I, I, I don't get any more pushback for any opinion I have than that of Tua. I call it two it's a That's a different discussion for another show. But when Russ was traded to the Lakers, everybody, Western Conference favorites, you got LeBron and AD and Westbrook it's not it's not going to work. Oh, LeBron will change. It. No, he can't. And you saw. Well, just put Russ at a reduced role. Right? Take him out of the starting lineup, put him to the bench and it works. Yeah, it did for like uh, four games. And he went back to being the old Russ. Darvin Ham would have to take him out of fourth quarters. LeBron became increasingly frustrated. And they traded him to the Utah Jazz. Got a great return, by the way. Props to Rob Polinka for that. Jazz buy him out. Clippers sign him. What Russell Westbrook is, again, I want to say, I'm not saying as a person. As a basketball player, specifically. Russell Westbrook is the attractive significant other. Man, woman, whatever the case may be. That each time they get into a relationship, the new person says, Oh, I can change him or her. I could change this person. No, you can't. Scott Brooks couldn't change him. Billy Donovan couldn't change him. Darvin Hamm couldn't change him. Scott, uh, Frank Vogel couldn't change him. Mike Dantoni couldn't change him. And he made look at look what he did, did for James Harden. He couldn't help Russell Westbrook. You're telling me Ty Lue's going to change I think Ty Lue's a tremendous head coach. I, don't, I Why should I believe that he's going to change Russell Westbrook? His style of play, which is inefficient, low basketball IQ, bad defensively, and turnover prone, none of those are conducive to winning basketball games at the highest level. How much more evidence are we going to need? Seriously, he's not in his prime anymore, and even when he was in his prime, he was not a winning player. It's incredible to me that people still view this as as a good fit for the Clippers. I'm seeing so many people, oh, watch out for the Clippers now. Oh, yeah, yeah, watch out for them to get bounced in, like, six games in the first round by, like, Phoenix. Sure. Heck, I give Sacramento a chance. At this point, Sacramento feels like a one-and-done team themselves. You bring Russell to a team, which, by the way, according to Woj, he's going to start for once he gets worked into the lineup. So that makes Bones Highland, who needs the basketball, irrelevant. It takes shots away from Paul George, away from Kawhi Leonard. They can't run place for Russ. He can't space the floor. He's bad defensively for a Clippers team that prides itself on defense. Please tell me how this is a good fit. Please, I'm begging. It is, it is again, I think the, I've said for years, ever since, since um, Steve Ballmer bought the team, I've said this is a it's a new day in Los Angeles with the Clippers. Are they going to compete for championships? Sure, but more importantly than that, they're a well-run franchise. Jerry West, the logo is there, and you know, everything Jerry West touches turns to gold. He's not only one of the greatest NBA players ever, he's one of the greatest executives, if not the greatest executive of all time. But sometimes there's just a, a dark cloud hanging over certain franchises that they're just never going to get out from under. They can't get out of their own way. Sometimes being aggressive, which I'm all for, you guys know that, sometimes if you push the envelope too much, the Clippers are already a team that can compete. And again, let's play risk-reward. The likelihood of Russell Westbrook bombing with the Clippers is far more likely, given his history, given what we've seen for, for 15 years than him being a perfect fit and helping this team compete for a championship. How much more evidence do we need? It's an awful move, and it takes the Clippers out of the Western Conference contending team group. Suns are in there. Warriors are in there. Nuggets are in there. I think the Grizzlies are certainly on the precipice. Take the Clippers out. They're done. We've got some comments. We've got a lot of comments here. Wow. Patrick Brown. As a Lakers fan, this is a win for us. Oh, gosh. I can imagine. Listen, I, but, but the Warriors and Clippers, you know, I remember for a time there, they had a quote-unquote rivalry, which I say that in quotes because, I mean, the, the Warriors went like two years without losing a game to the Clippers. Like, it was crazy. But, uh, so I'm technically not supposed to like the Clippers, Uh I've never, as a Warriors fan, like hated the Clippers. I guess just because it's it's kind of like what Derek Jeter said about the Mets. They're the Mets. Like hey, you're not threatened by the Mets. You're threatened by the Red Sox. You're threatened by you know the uh, the Diamondbacks. In a way, you're not threatened by the Mets. You're not threatened by the Clippers if you're a Lakers fan. So that's kind of how it feels a Warriors fan. And it's a great day for me too, by the way, Patrick. Because now this takes a team out of our way. It's great. And by the way, Dallas, I don't think it's going to work with Luka and Kyrie long-term, but i take them over LA. Grady says, people need to remember this Westbrook is not Houston Rockets Westbrook or OKC Westbrook. Westbrook sucked in DC and has stunk since. Dude doesn't care about winning. He cares about padding stats and being a starter. Well, you pretty much summed it up, Grady. Of course, Barry, my day has come. It really has. This is like Christmas. Not only does your team trade Westbrook, but he goes to the team you have so much disdain for. It is a good day for, for you, Barry. Patrick Brown, Clippers title chances just vanished. I wonder how Kawhi feels right now. I'm curious how much input Kawhi had on this, Patrick, because we saw Paul George, it seemed like he had a ton of input, because last week he was talking about, man, I want to reunite with Russ back when we were in OKC. Let's, let's bring him back. I mean, you know, Kawhi doesn't say anything, so you don't really know what where he's at, but we'll see. Grady, Westbrook is really about the eighth man in a rotation at this point in his career, and he needs to expect that or this is it. Westbrook looked darn good in Houston. I will defend him on that. Uh, and then Barry says, not in the playoffs, Grady, and that was a mistake friendly offense. Uh, and Grady says, I'll give you that, Barry. I mean, that's he was good in Houston. He wasn't as good of a fit as CP3 was, but I think it got to a point with CP3 and Harden where they it, you know it's kind of it's almost like they couldn't show up to work every day and be around each other. Like it got it got so toxic to a point. So we'll see. Patrick says Paul George signed off on this. It's about to backfire for sure. Clippers fans get ready to feel the pain. Patrick, get ready to feel the pain. They've been feeling pain. But but then again, like 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 I was in the show. I mean. What is there? 13 Clippers fans in the world? I mean, you got you got Clipper Daryl, like Marcellus Wiley, Billy Crystal. I mean, it's like it's it's not many. It's like Chargers. How many Chargers fans do you know? How many? How many Clippers fans do you know? Oh uh, yeah, like I said, man, it is it is Clippers. It 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 is Clippers being Clippers. This this is this is what this is what they do. Uh <laughs> I'll tell you, you, you can't make this up. And it's like I, I said on Friday, I said, Clippers, you're already kind of on the on the precipice right here of, of being out of the mix because of Kawhi's health and Paul George can't stay healthy and, and, and all whatnot. By the way, the West is loaded to begin with. But now, now you're just, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Your best player can't count on to stay healthy. Your second best player, same thing, but to a lesser degree. And your third best player, uh Well, Westbrook's finding out their third best player. I'd say it's probably Norman Powell at this point, right? I mean, Zubats. Ooh, it's, not, it's not a good day in Clipper land, but again, there's there's like 12, 13 fans. So not that many people are sad about it. And what I love too, before I get to my next topic, before I get to my next topic, what I love and get a kick out of is the Westbrook fans. I'm not, I'm not talking about people like, man, I'm happy for Westbrook. I'm talking about the Westbrook fans. Fans, F-A-N-S, fans. Talking about, man, he's going to show the Lakers. It's like, guys, he's gaslighting you. I mean, of course, I don't know if Russ is doing it directly, but you're kind of almost gaslighting yourself at this point. You're blinded by either the name, the MVP, which he won seven years ago, uh, the triple doubles, the stats. You're being blinded by a lot of things at this point. Like he's not he's not that dude anymore. Like just move on. Okay, so All Star Weekend. All Star Weekend was a doozy. Uh, I didn't watch the skills competition. I never watched the skills competition. Like why why do I want to watch the skills competition? I don't, I don't I don't tune into my TV to watch guys pass through a a, a, a net. Like I, it's not and and make layups. Um. I did watch the three-point contest, which, as and I uploaded this on social media and on YouTube, so you can check out the the the, the, the YouTube short and the IG reel now. But uh, I did kind of predict that Damian Lillard would not only win the three-point contest but hit the game-winning shot in the All-Star game. I'm just saying, I should have went to Vegas for that. And I also did say that Mac McClung was going to win the the dunk contest, which, you know, we were all chilling. <laughs> We were all like, okay, let's let's see what's what's going on in this dunk contest, and then Mac McClung started doing things like this. Got hold the other guy. Some point he will go down. Oh, that's a fifty. That's a 50. Everyone standing,
1: including us. Oh, oh my God! God. Okay. Hey, what's okay. up, Kenny? And yeah, okay. and he putting on the handle. Oh, oh, it's oh, a right ladies and It is over, ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. It is TNT slander, Mac McClung.
0: Yeah, that was um it was unbelievable. I mean it's funny. I I know some people that have seen Mac McClung play in person in high school, and it you know, that they were like, Man, it's it's like that they were excited that the whole world basically got to see what this guy was made of. Because if you watch his high, it, it, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all that he was pulling this stuff off because I've I'd seen his high school highlights, they're ridiculous. Um I'm not here to debate did Mac McClung say the dunk contest. I I, I don't know. Well, that's going to be determined in the long run. It's going to be determined by who enters it uh, in the future. Mac McClung said after the dunk contest, he said, "Listen, I'll 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 be back if y'all will have me." And I'm I'm sure the NBA is like, okay, let's 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 bring this kid back. Um, here's what I am here to say though, and it's amazing with NBA All Star Weekend, and it's fitting too that following this incredible showing by Mac you had an all-star game that was as unwatchable as one could possibly imagine. Like, it it was, for those that didn't watch, count yourself lucky, man. It was bad. I think it's a false narrative, like, oh, this is how the all-star games have always been. Uh, last year's was outstanding, okay? Not only did Steph score 50, but the game came down the wire, and LeBron hit the walk-off shot in Cleveland, of all places. 2020, you had that incredible game in Chicago. It was the first year they had the Kobe Bryant target score. Uh, 2018 was the first year they implemented the the two all-star captains. That was exciting in Los Angeles. I remember, I think it was at uh, LeBron might have hit the game when he shot somebody. LeBron, I can't remember who it was. Um, so this new format, it's been good. Like, it's overwhelmingly, it's been very entertaining. Last night, though, was not the case. That was in large part because there was no Steph. There was no KD. Zion wasn't there. Listen, say what you want about Zion. Dude would have been lights out in the All-Star game. Like, that's that would have been his time to shine. Uh, LeBron got hurt. He injured his hand going for a dunk on Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was being very salty after the game, by the way. Like, chill out, dude. But LeBron's out. Jokic didn't play in the second half. Giannis. So, you're missing a lot of the game's biggest stars. Luka didn't play. Uh, later on in the game. Here's what I think is is interesting as it pertains to the dunk contest. Like how does this tie in? I'll tell you how it ties in. Matt McClung kind of had to be in the dunk contest. For his sake, individually. Not for our sake. Not, not for the fans. I'm talking about Matt McClung. I saw something for Bleacher Report that said that up to this point, Matt McClung, who I believe has played for three teams, or has been a part of three organizations, the Bulls, the Warriors, and now the 76ers. That he's earned one hundred six thousand dollars in total career earnings, and when he won the dunk contest, he won ju- almost as much in the dunk contest alone as he has his career earnings up to this point. He won like a hundred k in the dunk contest compared to one hundred six k that he had already won before that, because there was an incentive for him. I'll give you an example. I go to college. I like my professors. Got nothing to claim complain about whatsoever. They they. They're very uh, accessible in terms of, uh, you know, getting information we need for classes, giving us assignments that'll prepare us for tests, all of the above. I I love my professors. But let's say for the sake of argument, one of those professors that came to us at the beginning of the semester and they said, okay, told us students, I'm going to give you assignments throughout the year, homework, tests, quizzes, projects, the whole bit. That's going to count for 20% of your final grade. But all that really matters at the end of the day is the final exam. That's going to count for 80% of your final grade. Be like, whoa, this this final exam, this is really, really important. And so, you know, let's say they gave us a quiz two weeks into the year, two weeks in the year. And say me the students, or we the students individually, collectively, however you want to look at the situation. You don't really study for it. It's obviously not that important. I mean, all of your quizzes, tests, projects, homework, all of that combined, it counts for twenty percent of your grade. It's all about the final exam. And so you're like, I mean, what, well, come on, what's a quiz going to do? What's a quiz going to do to my to my uh, overall grade? And so you don't really study for it. You're not. And let's say you just flunk. You do terrible in the quiz. Like you get like a 45 or a 50. Like you're just horrible. You you didn't study. You didn't. And let's say the professor the next day gave out all of our grades. And the professor said, why didn't y'all pay attention to this? Why didn't y'all study for this? We're like. Why should we? It's all about the final. You told us it's all about the final exam. Like, And if this isn't going to help us necessarily to do well in the final exam, why why do we? No, no, but you, I expected you to. Clearly not because at the beginning of the year, you told us 20% of our grade. It's a very similar situation in the NBA. I'll tell you why. What is the incentive for these players in the All-Star game? Playing for charity, yes, but there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, just that weekend, all the charity events these players do—it's incredible. And in their spare time, which is even better, um, the, phil- the philanthropy that these players you know are, are involved in is outstanding. They don't need a basketball game just to donate to the community. They make a lot of money on the court with the teams that they are associated with, off the court with shoe deals, endorsements, etc. So what's the incentive for the All-Star game? Because the narrative, and I said back in, well, I didn't have a podcast back in 2016, but I've said on the show, and people say, oh, you're biased because you're a Warriors fan. I'm like, honest to God, if this were the Spurs and the Raptors, I would have said the same thing. The Warriors went 73-9 in 2016 and did not win the finals. At that point, as far as the regular season is concerned, everything changed. Because the rest of the NBA looked at it, they were like, they won 73 games. And it didn't mean jack. Because they didn't come away with the big trophy at the end. They didn't come away with the Larry O'Brien trophy. And so you've seen the last few years, and it's only gotten worse. Stars sitting out of back-to-backs, nationally televised game. I mean, you from a night-to-night basis in the NBA, you do not know who is going to play on a given night. It used to not be that way. People have complained about that, and rightfully so, especially you, know, you hear about these kids, you know, say you got a kid in Detroit that has never seen LeBron James play. Well, because LeBron plays in the West, Lakers only play one time in Detroit all year. So he's like, you know, his parents save up, they want to go see LeBron James, but it's the second night of back-to-back, and LeBron sends the game out for rest. Part of the reason they do it is because the narrative is such that, and a part of it's because, The NBA nowadays takes more of a physical toll on your body because the up-and-down aspect of it. But that aside, the narrative surrounding the media is, (laughs) we don't care what you do in the regular season. you got to show us the playoffs. Regular season doesn't matter. We heard this early in the 2016-17 season with the Warriors, with the Cavaliers, because we knew Golden State and Cleveland were going to face in the finals. Sure enough, Golden State and Cleveland faced the finals, and both of them... Barely broke a sweat getting there, which is unheard of. Regular season doesn't matter, so why should the All Star Game matter to some of these players? That dunk contest meant everything to Mac McClung in terms of uh, it, getting exposure, uh, getting his name out there. Mac McClung uh, showing what he can do, you know, in terms of the dunk contest, uh, the money that he make. Again, like that's that's over almost 100% of his earnings earned one night in the dunk contest. Like, think about it, Like, that That meant everything to Matt McClung. It's All-Star game. That's why Jokic, I mean, Jokic sat off the game. I didn't care about the All-Star game. I mean, a, few, a couple of years ago, LeBron sat out most of the 2021 All-Star game. Other guy, you know, again, Jokic, Luka, Giannis. How does it help them? An all star game MVP like Jason Tatum won last night, congrats to Jason Tatum. It's cool, it's awesome. Nobody's gonna think about it the next morning. Like, oh, okay, cool. Jason Tatum won the All Star MVP. Okay, well, you know, what's uh you know, what's on TV tomorrow night on Monday? Regular season, all star game. Exhibition games. They're second their second thoughts. Like we don't even in the NFL it's this way, right? Preseason doesn't matter anymore. Why should it? The players have been hearing it doesn't mean anything. By the way, they could get injured, could end their season in one play. Less likely in basketball, obviously, because it's not a collision sport like football is. I don't necessarily blame the players. By the way, again, since this new format came into play... In 2020, this is the fourth time that the I call it the Kobe Bryant rules came into play with the 24 uh, target score. Whatever whoever's leading the game, say the say team LeBron's up 182 to 176. Will you add 182 plus 24? That would be 206. That is the target score. Like whoever gets 206 first in the fourth quarter wins the game. It's as simple as that. Since that came into play, this is the first genuinely bad. I mean. Bad All-Star game we've had. 2020 was incredible. You had Kyle Lowry's taking charges out there against Joel Embiid. 2021, you had Steph and Dame shooting from literally half court and swishing them. It was a shooting exhibition. Last year, the game was great in Cleveland. Steph scored 50, shattered the All-Star record for threes. LeBron hit the game winner. Jared Allen was out here blocking guys' shots. Last night, as Jalen Brown said after the game, is a glorified layup line. It was terrible. Nobody seems to be moved by going into the All-Star game. People aren't like, ah, we got to stop everything we're doing and watch the All-Star game. A casual fan probably isn't going to do that. Heck, those in the media don't really care that much about it either. But then the next day, they bash the players for not really caring about it. You didn't care about it. The fans really don't care about it that much, except in Utah where the game was. So the players should. These players listen to narratives. And if the narrative out there is that the game doesn't mean anything, they hear that. And that's not just the All Star game, that's the regular season as well. So there you go. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? We got some, I'm trying to find the comments. Da, da, da. Oh, uh, great. Grady said, uh, don't disrespect him, Bryson. Russ is going to get so many uh, wide-open threes with Kawhi and Paul George. <laughs> oh, that he is. He's going to get a lot of open threes. Um, Patrick Brown says, I haven't watched NBA All-Star Weekend since MJ's last appearance. Wow. I can remember when the mascots had their own slam dunk contest. Take me back to the 90s. Uh, Grady, hold on, pull it up. There we go. Gray says, I don't want to hear that they should do away with the NBA All-Star Games. They shouldn't even consider that. Reality is, guys make more money than they ever had, I'm going to call it out. These stars are spoiled, and they cheat the game today more than they ever have. I don't think they should... I, no, I think getting rid of the All-Star Game would be a horrible idea. Getting rid of the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Get get rid of that garbage. It was horrible. Pro Bowl sucked. <laughs> okay, I, I mean... Because football is a sport where you are literally—I always say—football, you are moving another grown man against his will. That's not basketball. Even in the '80s and the '90s, which people glorify as this the pinnacle, when you know the final scores were like 82 to 80, guys were not getting as beat up in the NBA as they will in the NFL. It's it's two different sports. Um, I definitely see what you say. And by the way, what Grady's saying is that those sentiments are echoed by a lot of people. I mean, they are, the, the, you know, those, that's, that's the, the, the feeling among fans is like, dang, like, you know, if, if I take my son or my daughter or whoever to, to go see a, a game and their favorite player isn't playing, like it's, Hey, I just wasted money and listen, don't, don't, don't go touch with people's money. Like we understand that. Um, and, and two, it's like, dang, we're, we're, we're working our butts up to show up here. Why aren't you like, that's, that's the feeling among fans, fans. I get it. And I think it is absolutely, NBA can't avoid this anymore. It's as simple as that. Adam Silver, the Players Association, uh, the owners, they're going to have to talk about this at some point. It's why nobody watches the NBA regular season. And so that's that's sort of what I'm saying, Grady, that when the narrative ever since, again, look back at some of these articles, some of these stories, some of these shows, ever since Golden State lost in 2016 to Cleveland after winning 73 games,
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: 2017 rolls around. Nobody didn't talk about the regular season. The only regular season things people were talking about was Westbrook's triple doubles and if, and if Golden State and Cleveland would, would go through any trouble in the playoffs. Like that, that was the stories. People weren't talking about, all right, Golden State's going to Denver on Wednesday night. Nobody Nobody cares. They used to. It mattered more at the time. You know, there's a stat that's funny. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Okay, listen to this. The last, yep, the last three teams, I want you to listen to this, that have had the best record in the NBA's regular season. The Bucks in 2020, the Jazz in 2021, and the Suns in 2022. None of them made the conference finals. They couldn't even get out of the second round. Players see that like Phoenix out here running, you know, running rough shot over the league, running, winning 64-65 games where they won. And boys couldn't even get out of the second round. Dallas dismantled them in games three through seven. So I th- that used to not be that way. Because their four and five scenes are more rested, they're more worried about the long run. Do I love the approach? Not really. As a fan, I don't. I don't like it. But I think the narrative around it needs to change. I think because again, remember this is this is the, this is the first All Star game that we've watched. We're like, God, this this was garbage since the new format came into play with uh, with the All Star captains, and now especially with the target score in the fourth quarter. Like, this is the first one we watched. We're like, man, this, this is genuinely unwatchable. Like, this is terrible. The media does bear some responsibility. Some. So the players. But the players do. Um, they do hear what's going on. Patrick Brown, he's talking about the dunk contest. He says, 1988 was the best NBA slam dunk contest. Um, MJ and Dominique put on a show. Oh, did they? Cat by MJ's iconic free throw dunk in a tribute to Dr. J. Yeah, and that's that. If people don't know that, that dunk, if I'm not mistaken, was the free throw line dunk is now the logo for the Jordan brand. Where he's, you know, he's he's got his arm. Like, it looked like he's literally flying in the air. Now, is the greatest dunk contest ever. And I definitely agree at this point, Patrick. He says, i put Vince Carter's Oracle Arena dunk contest number two overall. The dunk contest used to feature players who were in the all star game. Now it's just whoever wants to participate. And that's something else, too. Uh, You know, people are saying, like, hey, let's get Ja Morant versus Mac McClellan in the dunk contest. Okay, first of all, who wouldn't wouldn't sign up for that? That'd be incredible. I'd love to see it. But there's way more of an incentive for Mac to do it than Ja. Ja. Ja's got his money. If it's, hey, this could cost you an All-Star. Because players care about All-Star appearances. Let, let's not forget that. Like, guys are pissed if they, if they feel they should have made the All-Star game and didn't. Like that's, like, that's something that goes on your resume for the rest of your career. Like, we talk about LeBron's made, whatever it is, 18, 19 All-Star games. Kareem made about that. Kobe made 18 All-Star games. This Shaq made, like, 14 or 15. Guys care about this. Even the greats care about making the All-Star game. James Harden, who's made, how many All-Star games James Harden made? Eight? Nine? Something like that? And when he didn't make it this year, he he put on social media like, man, this is whack. This is is stupid. This is crazy. So, maybe, how about I propose this? Let's see, this is what we do on Carving Up. In the comments and here on the show, we find solutions to problems. How about this? If guys miss games, if guys miss a certain percentage of their games, they are automatically ineligible to play in the All-Star game. Whether they're injured, like legitimately injured or not. It's it's a start. It's a start, I think. I hope. Grady says, one thing Adam Silver has done poorly is give the players too much power. Nobody mentioned it, didn't have some of these low management and the quality of regular season slash other games under Stern. I've heard rumors of a midseason tournament. That's just cringe as a fan. Okay, I totally agree with you, Grady, on the midseason tournament. That is a horrible idea. That is not going to be something that is going to, again, we, we talk, but it sort of goes to our point again, Grady, that a, a reason that this in-season tournament would be terrible. Like the, the play-in tournament, I remember there was a lot of pushback on that. I'm like, guys, what the play-in tournament does is eliminates tanking or not, maybe not eliminates it, but certainly decreases it. Because you've got your 12 seeds that in normal circumstances, they're done, their season's over, to now they're like, we got a shot here. We we can actually get in the playoffs here. And, and I, certainly people forget about this. Making the playoffs, trying to go on a run, people don't understand how important that is for a team's culture. But an in-season tournament is not going to ter- determine what? Players' legacies. Now that the narrative has become so much, okay, where's this guy rank? Where's this guy rank? Where's he? Where's he? Uh, how much money he make? Uh, is he the best? This is he? How many? How many of these has he won? MVP? This? Th- players hear that. You know what they don't hear about? The actual game. Now the discussion is: Is that up to the players to decide? One could say, hey, let's speak. let hold guys accountable here. They're the guy. Like they're. We don't tune in the NBA to watch. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr walk on the sideline. We tune in the Warriors to watch Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the, the Lakers, we're not tuning in to watch Darvin Ham or we're tuning in to watch LeBron James. It, you could say that for every team in the league. We don't tune in to watch Jason Kidd, although we did as a player when he was a player back in the day. Not as a coach. We tune in to watch Luka and now Kyrie Irving. So you could say, hey, we tune into the games for these guys. It's on them. That's, that's a totally fair argument. But... The fans aren't interested in the regular season. The media isn't interested in the regular season. Following the twenty sixteen finals, so why should the players? I think it's totally fair. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Greg. The end season tournament's a horrible idea. Terrible. I know the WNBA's tried it, but uh I, I don't I don't like it at all. Barry says, too many friends and no pride in the NBA All-Star Game anymore. Nobody wants to get embarrassed in the social media meme era. Adam Silver is at the beck and call of the players who have an entitled approach to the All-Star Game. Um, I disagree about the entitled approach to the All-Star Game because, again, as I keep saying, this is the first time that we've genuinely seen a bad product in the All-Star Game. Since, again, since this is why Adam Silver initiated the player captains, and the I, I call it the Kobe rule, the the, the target score of twenty four in the fourth quarter. Um, as far as your first points, too many friends. Look, this this is the, people use this as a way to demean LeBron, to demean certain guys. I'm talking about the greats. I mean the the guys that we're going to talk about for the rest of our lives. We're going to be always talking, we, when we talk about the greats of the game of basketball, we're going to be talking about LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and, and I think we'll be talking about Giannis, Luka getting getting that discussion very, very soon. Like, those four especially, we're going to be talking about them for the rest of time. As long as we're talking basketball, those four guys going to be in the discussion. But people use this as a way to diminish LeBron especially. Oh, LeBron's got too many friends. Well, if, if I'm not going to criticize him, I'm not going to criticize everybody else. So far, the meme era, listen, I I don't have anything to prove or disprove that. Uh, Grady, what about a fan vote for people to be selected to all-star festivities? It changed the narrative to make it more important. Okay. Listen, I'm down with that. Uh, I have typically not been the biggest fan of fan votes in terms of it holding as much of a percentage as it does. Because, again, this is costing guys money. But, again, at the end of the day... If the goal in mind is to make the game, to make the weekend, it's not just about the all star game on Sunday night, it's about the festivities on Saturday night as well. If it's about making it more interesting, okay. Okay. Uh, Barry says the only all star game that matters is Major League Baseball. It used to, it used to when it determined, which I thought this was gimmicky. But when it used to determine who hosts the World Series or who gets home field advantage of the World Series for either league, I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, You know, a team comes in, wins 105 games, but because some guy for the worst team in their division, you know, couldn't strike a guy out with two gone in the eighth, you know, I I don't get to host the World Series, and it's not even my fault. Uh, I didn't love that. Now, I agree with Barry here. Make divisions count. Absolutely. Absolutely. They should make divisions count. They, they count in baseball, count in basketball. I don't know enough about hockey to know if they count in hockey. Um I just yeah, I'm not a big NHL fan. Maybe I'll get in at some point. I will. Uh and he says, bro, it's been bad for 10 years, Bryson. It's been heading this way. Again, you would have me if we were if we it we were just the same all-star rules. East versus west, a 48-minute game, no target score. Like Adam's you can, I don't think you can blame Adam Silver for this for the All-Star game individually. You can blame him for certain other things, but for the All-Star game, he's instituted the player captains, the draft, the target score. Like, I don't know how you can possibly put this on silver. Uh, like he's he listen, he's expended all of his resources to try and make this interesting. Uh, maybe he needs to go further. <laughs> Barry says, though, you can't trust the fans either. You'd have people who voted in Westbrook. Fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. Uh, one thing we all agree on is change absolutely needs to be made.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And my thing is, make it more important for the players, not just the All Star game, but the regular season. That's why Mac McClung was as big of a, a phenomenon as he was. That's why he, if take take this, if Mac McClung was five years into his NBA career was regarded as, like, a, a very good player. Like, say he was, like, a top, like, 25, 30 player in the NBA. Made his money. Do you think he completes, competes for the dunk contest? Because I, I don't. I don't. I think it's why John Morant hasn't competed. It's why Zion hasn't. It's why Anthony Edwards hasn't. I mean, it's, it's a fair discussion to have. One thing for sure, it was better than last year. The last year was awful. Okay. A lot of, I did not think I'd be talking about this much about the NBA All-Star game, but listen, pe- people are passionate about it. I love it. We're, we're talking about the NBA. That's that's always a win. Sticking with the NBA, uh, you guys know I love LeBron James, which as a Warriors fan may sound like an oxymoron because of the pain he inflicted upon me in 2016 and the fear he inflicted upon me in 2015, 17, and 18. But the man's resume is, is well, it's, I mean, it speaks for itself. And, and on and off the court, by the way. LeBron is doing something that I just, for the life of me, do not get. He is. This recruitment of Kyrie Irving, it doesn't make sense. If you noticed during the draft, which they had before the game, which I didn't love that they did that before the game. I think they should do the All-Star draft like a week and a half in advance, not on All-Star night. Just I I think it's it's a better television event on Thursday night, like the, a couple Thursday nights before. That's just my opinion. But LeBron took Kyrie in his All-Star draft. It's okay, it's, you know, it's no big deal. He's had he's drafted Kyrie before, like that's that's not a big deal. But two things. Number 1, LeBron did two things on All-Star Sunday night, that really caught my eye. The first one was talking about how, or when he drafted Kyrie, he was like really, really excited to draft Kyrie Irving. Like, I don't know if you noticed, he was like dancing, him and Kyrie, you know, they did their signature handshake that they have back in Cleveland. Like he was, dude was hyped to be drafting one guy for his All-Star team. And it is like, listen, Kyrie's a showstopper. Stephen A would say he is, he's unbelievable, Uh, but he's not like prime MJ. Okay. LeBron was like beside himself, excited that he took Kyrie Irving. I was like, that's interesting. And then after the game, more importantly to me in his press conference, there's that quote that I've seen on social media today. And he said in his press conference, like these are the most 23, these are the 23 most important games of my career. Like he said, I do not, I can't miss the playoffs for a second straight year. I can't be sitting at home watching the best players in the world compete for championship. Like I, I can't do that. And and I listen. LeBron's the ultimate competitor, so you know, you know, he's going to put everything he has into trying to get the Lakers into the postseason. For the first, I to get out of the thirteenth. See before they worry about anything. So that's neither here nor there. But he said something later on in that press conference that really caught my eye or my ear rather. That's. when he he mentioned he really put an emphasis on these important games and I'm going to do everything I can. That felt like a direct, blatant call out to Anthony Davis. That, and I don't necessarily blame LeBron for that. But he's saying, hey, D, like, dude, I'm all in. You? Because I have plenty of examples to say, I don't know if you are or not such as they win the championship in 2020. A month and a half later when training camp starts, AD comes in out of shape. When it was supposed to be, everybody, the narrative was, you know, LeBron's going to hand the baton AD. It's going to be his team, yada, yada, yada. He comes in out of shape, and it's a really disappointing year for the Lakers, culminating in a first-round exit. He gets hurt a lot last year. He's hurt a lot this year. I've coined the name Anthony Davis stands for, AD does not stand for Anthony Davis. Rather, it stands for always down. You question how he takes care of his body. Remember there was that quote in April, or I'm sorry, in June, when he said he hadn't touched a basketball since the regular season ended and the regular season was over for the Lakers for like the past two months? That felt like a call to Anthony Davis. And there's reports from around the league. I heard Chris Broussard, who is a very, very trusted NBA source, who said he has sources around the NBA that said Lakers, Mavs, are legitimately having discussions about a sign-in trade involving Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis this offseason. Now, I have said religiously, I said this two years ago when the Lakers lost to the Suns in the first round. Move off AD. His market's not never going to be higher. He's not going to be as beat up at that point. Uh, you'll still have pl- plenty of suitors saying, hey... It's just one year. It's an outlier year. The year prior, he was healthy, helped him win the championship, was awesome in the playoffs. We'll take him. That's a trade, Anthony Davis, for Damian Lillard. I think Dame is loyal to Portland. I believe when he says that. But would he pass up an opportunity to come by? He's not, he's not from Los Angeles. He's from Oakland. But back to his home state, California, to wear the purple and gold and play with LeBron James, who he and LeBron would be a match made in basketball heaven. And I still say that's on the table. There's a lot of great point guards, a lot of great guards. Kyrie's not a point guard, but there's a lot of great guards in the NBA. And LeBron's going after that one? Well, he made Kyrie work before. It's a different Kyrie. Wasn't as beat up. Doesn't have the the, uh, sort of off-court history then that he does now. Why would he Why would he want Kyrie Irving? By the way, people forget, like, hey, LeBron, you know, Kyrie won championship in 2016. That was a good Cavs roster. Don't forget you had Kevin Love. Tristan Thompson was amazing in the finals, particularly when Cleveland made their 3-1 comeback. You had veterans like J.R. Smith, uh, Richard Jefferson. Uh, who else did they have? I think they had Channing Frye who was good in the playoffs that year like they had some good veteran players, shot makers. Remember the year after they had Kyle Korver, guys who fit with LeBron and Kyrie. Do the pieces necessarily fit even if Kyrie is available? And even that's a question mark. Like it's 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 never it's it's the same thing with the Lakers. I the reports that they were pursuing Russell Westbrook. I said, "Why? Why does LeBron want this?" And we saw it turned out. Why does he want Kyrie Irving? Listen, I can be friends with somebody. Again, James Harden was friends with, is friends with Westbrook. That's why he wanted him. Doesn't mean it's going to work on the court. LeBron, as great as he still is, and I still think he's, he's the fifth, fourth best, fifth best player in the NBA to this day. He's not that stage in his career anymore where he can just surround, surround him with anybody. He takes you to the finals or takes you on a deep playoff floor, at least. Like those Cleveland teams that first run in Cleveland were, ugh. Like, yeah, like uh, Mo Williams and Zadrunas Ilgowskis and Anderson Vareja. Like, it was, you know, it was some rough days in Cleveland. And they've had their fair share of those. But it didn't matter because LeBron was so otherworldly, he'd get him to the finals. He'd get him to the Eastern Conference finals. He's not that stage anymore. And the West is just too good for that to be your duo. By the way, you have questions about the head coach. You know those Cavs had? Teron Liu. You've got Darvin Ham.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I I don't, I don't get it for the life of me. It's, I'm all about, you know, playing your friends and everything, but I don't get it, man, at all. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Grady says trade AD, but not for Kyrie. Sheesh. But Lakers should want Kyrie in my opinion for the right price. I'd, I'm not sure you'll be able to get him at the right price, Grady. Like, again, Kyrie asked out of Brooklyn because he felt they lowballed him. Who's to say the Lakers won't do the same? See, the Lakers will be in a lose-lose situation because if they offer Kyrie a long-term deal, which obviously he would take, he'd be nuts not to take that given his history. Now you get to deal with four or five years. I think it's five years, $230 I think, is the max deal. Five years and $230 million of drama every single year. It's been the case in Brooklyn. And let's just be honest, uh, LA isn't exactly that much better run than Brooklyn. They just have LeBron James, which masks a lot of their flaws and still isn't. And they, you can still see a lot of them in upper management, particularly in ownership. If they don't sign him to a long term deal or offer him a long term deal, Kyrie's gonna say, "Doggone it! That's another team that lowballed me. Somebody, because of how great he is, somebody will give Kyrie a long-term deal. I I, I will guarantee you that. It can't be the Lakers. I'm telling you, man, I'd be pursuing Portland if I'm the Lakers. Because at this point, I, I don't. I've been asking this for a couple of years. What's Portland's plan? Like, what what are they trying to accomplish? Because what they have now, that ain't gonna cut it." That is not going to cut it in the Western Conference. Even if you do have Damian Lillard, who you guys know I'm a huge Dame guy. I think he's a top ten player in the world. But, but even if he's top fifteen, that supporting cast is going to get it done. I mean, they just, I mean, they just trade away Gary Payton. I think they got uh, Sadiq Bay. If i was it, no, no, they either got Sadiq Bay or Kevin Knox. I like Bay a lot more than Knox, but it's not going to make that much big of a difference. I mean, what's your goal? Getting the play in, get bounced by the. Timberwolves or something, I you mean, know, what's, what's the goal? What are they trying to do? Cause it feels like they're bringing young kids in, but they're bringing some good veterans in, but they don't have the pieces to go along with those veterans, but they can't really develop the kids because they're not getting the playing time because of the veterans. It's it. I don't get it. I think Portland's a well-run franchise, but I don't get it. So that's why I'd say tell, tell the Lakers like, or tell, if I'm the Lakers tell the Blazers like, Hey, we're giving you an all-star caliber player in Anthony Davis. You know, we'll give you that last draft pick that they still do have. In 2027, 20, I think it is. Um, we could move some of the pieces that we got. Not many, because I, I like the moves the Lakers made. You, know, you could do a sign and trade maybe with Lonnie Walker. I mean, that, that those these are some moves. Lakers, because of the assets they acquired, well, they've, they've got plenty of things that they can do. Barry says, and Barry Grease, he said that was a message for AD. Oh, absolutely. I think LeBron at this point is kind of at his, at his wit's end with Anthony Davis. Patrick says give me Dame over Kyrie and I second what LBJ said um, it was a direct message to Anthony Davis I, I don't know how you could interpret that because we we know LeBron's competitive and, and is uh, committed like he doesn't need to tell us that LeBron doesn't need to hey I'm I'm bought into winning well, we know LeBron's committed into into winning like why does he just say after an all-star game this is the 23 biggest games of my career it's like He's 20 years in. He's got four championships, four MVPs. The 23 biggest of his career. Like that's overstating a little bit. No, he's saying I'm in. Are you? He's almost like going like Uncle Sam on Anthony Davis at this point. Barry says 80 stumbles in those final 23 and he will be on his way to Dallas or Portland. I I listen, for the Warriors sake, I hope it's Dallas. Because LeBron Kyrie, that's not a threat because of Kyrie. And Dallas with AD and Luka, that's not a threat because of AD. Now, for parity's sake, I hate parity. But for parity's sake, oh yeah. Portland's out of the mix now. that's, That's the thing. Portland's totally out of the mix regardless. But you add Dane to the Lakers, that is a scary group. Gray asked, what do you think happened with AD during the game LeBron broke the record? Uh, listen, he 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 said he was pissed that they were losing the game. Uh, and there was, I remember even there was a mic'd up with him and LeBron on the sideline. And LeBron said, hey, man, I, I love you, man. I just want you to know that. Uh, I still think it's odd. I think it's a little strange. Um, and Anthony Davis, let's be honest, I'm not saying he's not a competitor. I'm not saying he doesn't care about basketball what I am saying is he's never been the guy that's, you know, he, he's not the guy that if he scores 50 points is just pissed after the game because he lost. That That's ne- that's never really been Anthony Davis. And so when you have a moment like this with your closest friend in the whole world, him and LeBron, and LeBron breaks the most notable record in NBA history, and the crowd's going crazy, obviously, and you're just sitting there bench. It, it, I'm sorry, it was strange. I, I I didn't think that was good enough of a... An explanation by AD, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is great. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, we got breaking news, guys. This is great. According to Woj, the Chicago Bulls are nearing a deal to sign free agent guard Patrick Beverly for the rest of the season. I love it. I love it. I love it. You can't make this up. Oh my goodness. The cheerleader himself is going to Chicago, which I think Pat Bev is from Chicago. So good for him for, you know, getting a chance to go home. But, uh, yeah, that is, uh, Oh Lord. (laughs) That's, you know, Patrick Beverly is that guy who wears number 24 in Memphis. We don't say his name on this show, but, uh, but actually somewhat better at basketball. Like he's a better shooter than number 24 in Memphis. I think he's better defensively, although I don't think he's that good defensively. It's uh, it's interesting. Patrick says AD is the odd man out. He needs to grow up and be the player Lakers fans wanted prior to trading for. I got you a championship, but that's that's about all he's giving you. Which look, it is a championship. Barry, he was pissed at Darvin Ham. Grady Ham is an awful coach in certain situations. It's extremely frustrating to watch. I can imagine playing. I, I get that. I don't know about this one, Grady. He says, Lakers really need to go get Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, look, there's the... Look, Trey doesn't get hurt that all that often. He's younger than Dame. I understand that. And by the way, to Dame's too, I'm sorry, to Trey's credit, he had a great playoff run in 2021. Got the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals where they lost to the eventual champion Bucks. And I know, I know you love Trey Young, Grady. I, I'm a big... I was a huge Trey Young fan when he came out of the draft. But... I'm still rolling with Dame because the thing is, Grady. This Dame move—if they—if they go after Dame Lillard, let's just say for the sake of argument, they do. With LeBron, with all those guys that they have, it this—it's a two-year window, three max. Like you're going for it this year. LeBron retires a Laker, or 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 leaves to go play with Bronny, wherever Bronny gets drafted. Maybe Bronny gets drafted by the Lakers. Who knows? But, and then maybe you move Dame for some assets. Like, Trey's not a guy I think you can build around to be a champion. Like, we've seen plenty of teams who were genuinely shocked got to the conference finals get there, and they're never really the same. Atlanta's kind of felt like that. I mean, where's... They were the eighth seed last year, had to sneak into the playoffs, win two playing games. Where's Atlanta at now? Eight? Yeah they're, yeah, they're right at the eighth seed right now. And they're three games out of seven, so they're going to be in the playing tournament. Uh, There's three and a half games out of, uh, out of sixth. So... Unless they just get really hot, which I don't anticipate. Uh yeah, I don't I don't see the the Hawks doing doing much. I was never that high in Atlanta this year anyway. I'm pretty sure I had them as a playing team. I might have them as a sixty. I can't remember. I didn't have them going that far anyway. But uh to the NFL for a quick second, and then a last word for uh for president's day, because you guys know I'm very big into presidential history. To the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought a lot about it even going into the Super Bowl about the whole dynasty thing and it was it was premature at that point before the Super Bowl because they only had one title in the Patrick Mahomes era. After the Super Bowl, I I don't know what the argument is against it. I mean, really, you've okay, you got three Super Bowl appearances, you got two championships as I've said in the show, and I talk about this when I ranked Patrick Mahomes as the fourth greatest quarterback of all time, his worst season and he's five years in. This isn't a two, three-year sample. His worst season of his career was a home loss in the AFC Championship game to the second-best quarterback in the league, Joe Burrow. That was his worst season. His worst season. His best? A league MVP beating Philadelphia. Or the Chiefs. Let's talk about the Chiefs, because it's about the Chiefs, not just Mahomes. Beat a great Philadelphia team, the class of the NFC, in Super Bowl 57. Second best year, they beat the class of the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, coming back from 10 points down, which they did against Philly, by the way, to win. You had the 50 touchdown season for Mahomes in 2020, uh, sorry, 2018, 2020. They got to the Super Bowl, cruised through the playoffs there before they ran to Tampa Bay. 2021, which was their down year, they got to the AFC Championship game. They've got the coach, they've got the quarterback, and they've got eight rookies. And they got, obviously, foundational pieces. Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, a tremendous offensive line. Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, like some absolute dudes up front. So I think at this point, it's it's absolutely fair to say, if they're not a dynasty, what qualifies as a dynasty? They've been dominant for five years. They've got multiple championships. They've got multiple appearances in the biggest game, in the last game of the season. And minimum, they get to the second to last game of the season. They're the class of their conference. They are the most dominant offensive team in that five year stretch. They've got the best quarterback. I, I don't know. Cause I remember I saw a soundbite cause I was, I'm, I'm, you know, looking at some stuff with, with Tom Brady since he retired recently. And after, I forgot who called the game. I can't remember who called that Super Bowl when the Patriots beat the Panthers on a walk-off field goal by Adam Vinatieri, and whoever it was calling the game said, "I remember saying this. If this is, this is just as close of a dynasty as you can, this is as close as you can come to having a dynasty in the NFL. They got two in three years. Chiefs got two and five, but they got three appearances in that stretch. They've gone to back-to-back Super Bowls, which isn't easy to do." I mean, think about how many extra games they're playing every year—two, three—and I mean, these playoff games. Peyton Manning was talking about playoff game is is night and day different from the regular season t- in terms of speed, game planning, adjustments, intensity—the whole bit. So, I don't know how they're not a dynasty. I mean, I, I don't watch them like dynasty. I, they're lumped in with. The other great teams in the NFL, your Niners, your Eagles, your Bengals, they're on a different level than those guys, and I think the only different level is is dynasty. Uh, Grady says three is definitely a dynasty, but two can be a dynasty depending on how it transpired in the NFL. Those 2,000 Steelers team I am on the fence about, to be honest, but to be honest, do consider them one barely, uh, even though that might be silly. I mean that's a fair argument, but the only thing that I would say about that is that New England made a Super Bowl in that stretch, and you know they, you could say, hey, New England took a ten-year break in the dynasty because they didn't win any championships in that stretch. Um, I don't know, they didn't have the best. And I love Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin at that time was not the best coach in the NFL. One of the best, but not the best. Ben Roethlisberger, one of the best quarterbacks, but not the best quarterback. Like I, I think that factors into it as well. Um. Like that's that's what's that's what made the Bulls the dynasty in the nineties. Like they were a dynasty. I think two two championships in. They had the best player in the world. And they had the best coach in the world, and the best team for that matter. Uh, I think if you keep proving your best team time and time again, at some point we got to consider that. Patrick Brown, Kansas City is the team to beat in the AFC. Long as Mahomes is under center, the window is always open. Team friendly contract, which allows them to create space for future acquisitions, and that's what I talked about last week, Patrick. Is that? What's nuts is that by the end of this offseason, excuse me, Mahomes might be like the 10th highest paid quarterback in football. Think about that. And by the way, a long-term deal, which creates a lot of flexibility, signing bonuses. I mean, this is, it it, it tells you everything you need to know about about who Patrick is, who that front office is, uh, how they've been able to put the adequate pieces around him. That's the thing. They got a lot of cap space. Patrick says, Breaking news, Myers Leonard is signing a 10-day contract with Milwaukee. Okay. So, okay, it's interesting. So we know Myers Leonard was out of the NBA for a few years because he made anti semitic comments doing a video game stream. He apologized for them. Uh, Look, he's a solid scorer. He he can shoot the threes. More of a, I wouldn't say he's a 3 and D guy. He's not a, a, a defensive like anchor. Which Milwaukee has plenty of those, but let's see. He can he can get you buckets. I think ten days is, is appropriate. They've got some injuries, obviously with Middleton out, so he'll get his opportunity. Uh, I don't know if in terms of fit it works, but I mean honestly, I think a return to Miami would have been best suited for him. But uh, Milwaukee, I mean, we'll we'll see, we'll see. But uh, last topic, real quick, before we get out of here, very different last topic than usual. So as you guys know, I am a a well actually before I get to this, um uh, Grady and Grady asked me this question earlier. He says, "Thinking about going on a darkness retreat. Any advice, Bryson?" Well, I don't I don't think I'm the guy to give you advice in that regard, Grady. Uh I would consider seeing a therapist before that. Cuz if nothing else, I don't think being in submerged in darkness for Ninety-six hours is necessarily great for your eyesight. Go to a, you know go to eye doctor to to, to 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 get the answer to those questions. And I'd say if if you're if you're considering it, like a therapist might be a might be the the right option for you. But yeah, yeah, uh, Aaron's a strange guy. He is. He's a strange human being. Last topic of the day, though. It's President's Day, February 20th. Uh, Of course, it's not a particular date. It's the, I guess, the third Monday of the the month of February uh, because it's around the time that our two greatest presidents, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, were born. And as you guys know, I am a massive uh, fan of presidential history. I have been, even since before I was a sports fan, which may surprise some people. Uh, I actually did a series last, uh, last spring going into the summer with my man Isaac Lawson. Shout out to Isaac. Called the Carving Up U.S. Presidents Edition, ten-part series. It's on the YouTube channel right now, available to listen on a playlist. Uh, basically, Isaac and I talked about every single U.S. president, and then we ranked them all at the end. We didn't rank uh, President Biden because he's in office, and the current president is never ranked. But uh, yeah, he, he's listen. You, you think I might know a thing or two about presidential history? I, I don't hold a candle to that guy. Like he's he's outstanding. I'd li- hopefully, we can get him on the show some, uh, you know, sometime soon, maybe. But You know, what's to me, what's always been the most fascinating part about presidents is how, for better or for worse, and there's plenty of cases of both, their personality, how they see the world, how they see the country, heck, how they see themselves, has impacted not just the country, but the very office. Andrew Jackson, for example, one of the most controversial presidents. Uh, Very much a... Well, let's just say he wasn't a guy you wanted to to cross on the wrong day. And because he was somebody who was about working for him, he's talking about he's the common man's president, this that and the other. He created the spoil system. Which for those of you who don't know, if you if you worked in if you worked for a campaign, you in some way shape or form helps contribute to a candidate winning the election, you're guaranteed a job basically. Like he's the president, the the president elect is going to give you a job within his administration in some capacity. Andrew Jackson started that. It feels a little fitting that he started that, and and you know that that by itself has been again for better or for worse. Uh, George Washington, for example, when he created the first cabinet, and I you know I think George Washington in terms of, uh, in terms of creating the cabinet did a a remarkable job, but what he did. And is so smart, and something we could still learn today. He put people that agreed with him and disagree with him on his cabinet. By the way, it's a method that Lincoln followed. I believe Kennedy might have followed it in the 60s, I'm pretty sure, um, where getting these diverse, you know, sort of ideas, ideologies in terms of where you lean politically to get the best source. And isn't that kind of today? What we complain about from our politicians on both sides. Like, guys, the people that are getting screwed over is us. And that you're so worried about just clinging to a belief that you have or, you know, voting along party lines just because you're voting along party lines. You don't want to lose your upcoming election that you're not doing what's best for the people. Well, this was obviously bipartisanship was something that Washington was very adamant on. Matter of fact, his farewell addressed he warned against uh, partisans, partisanship. And obviously we clearly have not listened to him whatsoever in that regard. Um, Abe Lincoln is unquestionably my favorite president because what I, the biggest thing, there's so many things to admire about Lincoln, but to me, the thing that just exceeds them all is that this was not a man who really received any formal education growing up, but He worked his way to the top, obviously became an Illinois, uh, a senator in Illinois, and eventually, obviously, of course, won the election in 1860 and took over the country's biggest crisis in our history, the Civil War, uh, and with that, slavery. And what Lincoln did, you know, he has – there's a famous quote. Right at the beginning of the war, he told an aide that if he could end the Civil War without ending slavery, he would do that. Basically saying, I will do whatever it takes, even at the expense of people who are clearly being, not just being denied rights but being treated as less than human to end the war because it is obviously so bloody, so devastating, so ugly. But his opinion has obviously changed. He educated himself more. He talked to people. And you know, him and his wife, Mary Todd, often visited the, uh, the, the hospitals of the day of wounded soldiers. And as he got to connect with the people more and more, he started to realize, you know, look, this is, this is, this is an evil. This is injustice that's going on in America. I'm going to put a stop to it. And many argued for the day, hey, what the, the Emancipation Proclamation was unconstitutional. Lincoln said, I don't care. He, a matter of fact, when he signed it, he said, I have never been more sure that I'm doing right than what I'm doing right now so willing to evolve his beliefs willing to when the civil war started lincoln was no war buff at all for the first year of a war he was constantly in the library constantly reading about war strategies so that he wasn't in these meetings with these generals just nodding his head in agreement with everything he wanted to know what they were talking about because he he understood the gravity of the situation around the gravity of the crisis around him and I, i i again i think he's his his um, inauguration speech in 1865, which was – this was obviously a month before he was tragically assassinated, is one of the greatest speeches of all time. Not just – I mean, people, we talk about the Gettysburg Address four score seven years ago. It's a phenomenal speech. I think it pales in comparison to his 1865 inauguration speech. If you get the opportunity today, please go um, please please go read it if you have the time or listen to a narration of it, whatever best suits you, because it is uh, – it's incredible. I, I, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. It, it, it's outstanding. So, listen, I could go on and on, as you guys are probably getting bored at this point, about different presidents, uh, you know, their standing in history. All I will say to you is that if you want a good dose of presidential history, check it out. The Carving It Up U.S. Presidents Edition. Myself, Isaac Lawson. Ten-part series. It's on the YouTube channel here on Carving It Up. It's on a playlist. Just go to playlist, and it'll be right there. Carving up U.S. Presidents Edition, all ten episodes. You can. Uh, the only one that's visual where you can uh, you know see my face is is episode ten. You probably only see my you know my big ugly mug. Just look at look at it for the first nine episodes. Uh, check them out. Every U.S. President and they're standing in history. So be sure to give that a listen. Uh, let's see. I think we got a comment here. Oh, Grady, who runs in twenty twenty four? that is the question that everybody wants to know Grady. Uh I'll I'll give you my two cents. Uh, and then I'll get out of here. So we are it's February of 2023, so we've got uh, a little over a year and a half before the election obviously. <sighs> I think Biden runs for re-election for the Democrats. Um they have yet to really put out cuz you know there, there's there's dissent even among the Democratic Party. Hey, is this guy? Because of his, his age, he's obviously the oldest uh, president to have taken office. He's our first president who served in his 80s, and so there's questions like, "Hey, how long can he? You know, how long can can he possibly serve two terms?" And so there's question about that. Look to this point, they have yet to put put up a nominee that I think the country would would vote for for president. That's to me, that's why they threw H to the side. And that's why he was the nominee in 2020 because they, he felt they, he gave them the best chance to win. And obviously that's exactly what happened as for the Republicans. I I think of this. I I don't, I don't think there's any question that it comes down to, to, to Trump and DeSantis. I, I don't, I would be, if you, if you came from time machine two years later and said the Republican nominee won the election and said any other name, except for those two, I'd be genuinely stunned. I know Nikki Haley's running, Um, I know uh, former governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan's considering uh, running for president. Like there's, there's plenty of candidates. Chris Christie said he's former governor Christie of New Jersey has said he's, he's considering it. I don't think either has the, the pull, the influence in the party that those two for different reasons, for similar reasons. uh, It's going to be interesting. I, I, this, this is a weird election. Again, some of it comes down to the Democrats due to, to, to Biden's age, but I, I would, if it's not Biden and one of the, t- either Trump or DeSantis, governor DeSantis or former president Trump, I'd be stunned unless, unless there's like a, cause remember 2008, nobody saw Obama coming, nobody. And, uh, you know, he beat. Uh, Hillary Clinton, he beat some of these other very notable, very accomplished democratic nominees and, uh, garnered a whole lot of support and won in 2008. So listen, there's a long way to go. Very long way to go. But I've been, I'm just as curious as you are grading the rest of the country are, which is why, <laughs> by the way, the NFL ratings go down in 2024, uh, or will do that the same, which they did in 2020, 2016 and 2012, as I talked about in last week's show. That's another discussion for another day. You can check out my shows when I talk about that. But yeah, maybe maybe I'll do a show with, with maybe I could do a show with Isaac possibly and, and talk about the upcoming election as it gets closer. Maybe that'd be good. All right, that is all the time for today, after today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Thursday. We'll be back at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also be sure to like, share, comment, Take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Really help us out a lot. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube, which is where you can find my show. It's an amazing network along with Barry Grant Jr. saw him in the comments of the All Even Podcast. Uh, Patrick Brown of the Chaotic Sports Podcast, where you can find his show as well. Uh, Rocket Fuel Jets podcast with Alfred Parsar Jr., the Cowboys Can Fan podcast uh, with Alex, Anthony, and Adam. Had Adam on the show a few weeks back. He was great. Clutch Sports Talk with Ryan Flowers. We've got some amazing content. And for this President's Day, take a little time. Listen to uh, the Carving Up U.S. President's Edition, the 10-part series where Isaac Lawson and myself, we all we cover all 46 presidents of the United States, and we rank them all in Episode 10. So... Give that a listen, considering that it is President's Day. Have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Oh, please be sure to take care of your physical and mental health. Absolutely. God bless you all. Peace out. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.